You look so serious, Paul. <laughs> it's my resting asshole face. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to Yin and Young, the podcast. Yay! We are here. We're here with a very special guest, Paul Yen. What's up, everybody? So great. Yeah, Dan, why don't you kick it off for us? Uh, how, how you want to start? So um, I met Paul through my wife, and he was in the production um, that she directed. Uh, it's already been two years, right? It's like 2018. Uh, uh, yeah. A year and right? a half? A little over a year and a half? Because it yeah, started in... Yeah, Because uh, you were nominated in 2019, right, Paul? Yeah. Yes. Okay. For the LADCC Yeah. Thing? Yeah. Yep. I think, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, and then that production was like the fall of 2018 or... Yes. Ah, right, uh-huh. right, right. Yeah, yeah. So it's about a year and a half. 19. So it's been a little over a year and a half. Yeah. Ish, right? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> it feels so, like a long How, I mean, since then, things have gone really well for you. But how did you get into acting? I mean, you went to CSU Long Beach, right? Undergrad. And then how did you, were you always an actor in at uh, Long Beach? <laughs> no. Uh, yeah. Well, Technically, yeah, but I, because I took a long break from school. So when yeah. I went to Cal State Long Beach, I had already re kind of set my goals in my life. And then, yes, when I went to Cal State Long Beach, but I took a huge break uh, out of high school and didn't get, didn't know what I wanted to do until years later. So the long, long story short is I graduated high school, went to community college, had no idea what I wanted to do. Um, I had some good friends who were filmmakers or studying film, and I kind of jokingly said, ah, yeah, when you become a big famous director, you know, you can put me in your movie. And uh, they said, why don't you take a theater class, bro? And I was all, uh, <laughs> uh, sure. And then so I looked it up, and it, you know, it filled some uh, electives and stuff, so I said, I took it. And very cliche, but I really enjoyed it. Um, but as an Asian American dude, I, I had no idea what that meant, you know, uh, <laughs> so I thought I'd get headshots and get discovered. <laughs> and, and I didn't realize this, this, how serious and how, um, like tough of a business it was. Yeah. And then I ended up dropping out of school thinking, yeah, you know, I don't, I don't need school to do this. And, uh, ended up not doing shit basically oh can i cuss i don't know yeah no, that's totally fine right yeah, so then totally fine so then i ended up working full-time at a motorcycle uh racing company and had a really good friend there over time just convinced me to go back to school and to pursue acting and um as i said dude actors don't need a degree and he said acting's not about a degree you dumb fuck it's about learning about yourself and the world around you and I, I had this moment, I was all, whoa, I've never thought about college like that. And then so I, you know, we signed up for school. And then when I decided to go back full time and got accepted into Cal State Long Beach, 
I decided to leave that that full-time job I was working. Yeah. But I also had to talk to myself and say, all right, dude, if you're going to do this, you can't be that naive kid that you were, you know, in community college. So then I went back to school, graduated from Cal State Long Beach in 2010. And yeah, and then I tried to book anything I could book, do any sort of acting I could do. I was doing theater, short films, student films. And it took me probably four years before I booked my first professional credit. So... Yeah, I saw that you did a one-hour fantasy girl. Yeah, that, that was uh, 2009 or 2010. That was so that was filmed in I think 07 or 08. Oh, okay, okay. And man, I was so green at that time. Um, I know it sounds like a porno, <laughs> but it is, not, it is not. But I get that. I get shit from my friends who see that all the time. But um, no, I I basically improv the audition. It was an improv audition so i improv it the director and the producer loved it and cast me in it but i was so green at the time man i was just winging it uh um but yeah that was a indie feature that i shot uh i was so i was at cal state long beach at that time going to school full-time and on fridays saturdays and sundays i was driving down to i don't even know where it's at it's on the way to uh, Valencia but then you split from the five and you go off on the 14 and they rented some dank, janky hotel way out there and <laughs> I remember driving there and shooting on weekends and then driving home and uh, you know during the weekend going to school wow like Lancaster yeah, so was, or something or yeah it was Lancaster-ish yeah that place is far geez yeah yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah I when I went back to school, I told myself, or I'm sorry, when I graduated from school, I said, you gotta, you gotta just do whatever you can to build a reel, to just get work and just build a resume, even if it's projects you don't completely love. Uh, I liked the idea of it, but it wasn't, right. uh, I was so green, man. Yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, I, I, I just watched, uh, like just doing some, a little bit of research on you. I just watched some clips and yeah, it looked, I, I thought it looked pretty solid, your performance, man. So, um, Thank you. yeah. And, uh, so I guess my first, uh, introduction to, to you is I, I actually watched, um, the, one of the preview shows for Viet Gong and, uh, mm -hmm. and, uh, I, yeah, that, yeah, I thought. The one, and I know, I know Dan's, um, I know Dan's wife from way back in. I, I, she was a grad student. And I was an undergrad at the same at uh -huh. same college as her. Yeah, yeah. So. UCSD, right? UCSD, yeah, yeah. So, uh, so yeah, and uh, and I was like, I, ha I had heard about this perform this uh, this uh, performance that she was directing. I was like, oh, dude, I want to go check it out. Uh, so I went to the preview. I didn't really know too much about the show, uh, mm -hmm. except, except like it's about Vietnamese and Vietnamese Americans. So, mm -hmm. uh, so, but going in and coming out, like, yeah, that's uh, that's, and uh, that that that's a that's a hard hitting show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. yeah, especially with Jen's direction too, uh, because all the previous iterations of it, it was. It was very because the writing's the writing, so you can't change that, and it's fantastic writing. But it's also uh, Kui Nguyen who wrote um, the play. He's got a very 
specific style. It's very comic book. It's very fun, but um, crazy and all this good stuff. But then Jen was challenged by East West to take it in a completely different direction. And so we, our version, I think, was a much more serious tone. Huh. The hip hop was much harder hitting. Um, and I, yeah, I think that's why you, you felt the way you felt. Like, uh, it's interesting because, um, you know, there's that crazy fight sequence, right? Where, like, mm-hmm. like the super, the choreography, the slow motion. I mean, that's, that, that's interesting because I saw that. I was like, oh, this is very, I don't know, Dan, if, if you, you've probably seen this, but this is very Jen. Like, she, she, yeah. she that's like her signature thing, uh, having that slow motion fight uh, thing. I saw one of her previous things at Chalk, uh, Chalk Repertory Theater. And I thought, like, oh, dude, this is like, it's really like in line with her aesthetic, you know, but then like, yeah, that's that like you probably you've heard this a lot. I'm assuming is that last scene, the last scene in Viet Gone. spoiler, you know, when you're talking to uh, your son, right? Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. And um, I was wondering, you know, just as a fan, I'm, I'm just kind of curious into your approach uh, for this character, you know, like uh, particularly like how you balance sort of like the comedy and the dramatic aspect and maybe speaking a little bit about that that last sequence of how you approach that yeah specifically about that last sequence uh sure let's start there yeah yeah well Kui himself has said in interviews that he basically interviewed his dad with a recorder and transcribed that almost word for word from what his dad said wow so that's what's really incredible, I think, in the writing is that he didn't, um, because at the end is when you get levity from the entire show, right? Because the show is so crazy and hectic and fun. And I, a note, or not a note, but a, a comment I got a lot from a lot of people was that, yeah, I enjoyed the show, but it wasn't until the end that I thought, oh, now I really understand what this whole journey was because for the first three quarters of the show, they're all, okay, this is fun, but where is it going? Right, yeah, yeah. But then you realize at the end that it's all from his memory, and then you get kind of like a fistful of reality at the end. Um, So the comedy comes, I think, in that end scene from his dad's experience as a Vietnam vet. And it's actually not too different from my own father, who is has lived this life. You know, he was born in, I think, late 30s and then so he served in the vietnam war and has lived this really crazy life and then you know escaped vietnam to thailand and all this crazy stuff and coming to a country where he didn't barely speak the the, the language and he was he hit a lot of it so i think maybe a lot of times he hit it in his in his humor he tried to be funny about it and he tried to ignore telling us stories about it growing up um so i think we really captured that but I think he captured it because his father was maybe also putting on this kind of facade or this wall, right? Until there's that moment when he kind of blows up on on the son character. Right, yeah. Right, because he's not, he realizes that his son, or he's not, not that he realizes, but he, he just sees that his son doesn't fully understand kind of the, the, the drama and all the angst and all the, the frustration and all the, shit that they all went through you know he just thought just like us as americans growing up here me included you know you watch and you just think oh 
the Vietnam War. It was just as big as it. But you forget that you forget that there are there were lives that were destroyed, cultures that were completely destroyed, and and basically people had to pick up their shit and go all across the world, right? Um, and so that moment, even though it's funny because the father is trying to to not talk about it, that's where the I think that's where the humor comes from. Mm, yeah. And plus, I think it helps that he's after everything that he's gone through, he's presented as this really sexy man. And then all of a sudden you see him in his 60s and he's speaking with a broken uh, speaking broken English. Yeah. And so that also adds to the layer of comedy, which is very genius. Right. Because Mm. you see him in a certain way. And then at the end, you're all, oh, man, he's like that dude that comes into the store that I see all the time. (laughs) But you watch the show and you go, holy shit, it's you see these men and women as more than just an accent, you know, an Asian, an old Asian person with an accent, me included, you know? Yeah. So they were, they were young ones. They were, they used to get, you know, they used to mess around, get laid, you know, all that's yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> right. Did your parents see it? They did. They did. They did see it. And what did they think? Um, again, man, they're so, they're so guarded. Uh, I think, they were really proud to see me on stage uh, in that type of, of production because growing up they didn't they didn't take me to plays you know you hear about a lot of these actors where they're like yeah my parents took me to plays <laughs> take me to plays so I think they thought it was uh, great to see me on stage my dad is just still very reserved uh, he, he didn't really say much he just said good job and you know, <laughs> No, hey, that's probably like a good job from a from from an Asian parent is like pretty pretty awesome. I, I would say. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I know with my mom, she was really happy to see me on stage. Um, but in terms of being able to articulate what they felt, they didn't really go into that. Yeah, I do. You speak- was the audition process pretty hard? I mean, what did you think about when? Yeah, I mean, you had to rap and all that stuff, right? Did you have to rap for the audition? I actually didn't have to. So, so the the initial audition, you were given sides. So you can do two sides, or you could do one side. And I'm sorry, no, a mono. You come in with two monologues, or one monologue and a rap. And then so I came in with prepared two monologues. I got to do one, and then, and then Jen kind of stops me. She's off. All right, cool. Uh, would you mind reading for Quang? And I was all, in my mind, I was all, oh, yeah. I, but I prepared two, you know, because you're like, you put in all this work. And I'm all, damn, I prepared two. But she's already, but it was great because she gave me the sides for, for I don't even remember if I went in for Quang. I might have gone in for a friend. I don't even remember at this point. But, oh, no, no, I did go in for Quang. But anyways, she gave me the sides for Quang. So I went outside, prepped it, went back in, and I did it. And I remember I finished and I, had, I didn't prepare a rap because remember, I prepared two monologues. So I finished the scene and, and then Jan goes, great. Uh, did you do you did you prepare a rap? And I was all, no, no uh... <laughs> but, I, but I said, but I know I know a song that I tend to do in my car or in the shower and uh, I can try to spit that for you. And uh, it was one of those moments, man. I was just like, do or die. And. I, and I did it. It was an, a song that I've listened to for over 20 years. It's an Eminem song. 
and uh, I did it on stage, and Jen was all, they seemed pretty impressed. Was it Lose Yourself, or which what song was it? Or? No, no, no. It's, um, I never remember the name of it. It's actually a song he does with D12, um, I think, but it's, it comes off very freestyle. It goes something like, uh, two pills I pop to, my pills swell up like two pennies. I'm Clint Eastwood in his mid-twenties, a young-ass man with a trash can strapped to the back of his ass so the rats can't chew through his last pants. I'm like a mummy at night fighting with bright lightning frightening with five little white biking and pills biting them so then so then i kept going and i remember i did that and then i looked out and i remember jen going she looked at shammy uh arash who was the musical music director and they're all oh okay <laughs> and, and then shammy gave me some notes and then i and i took the notes and that was it and then i walked out and then uh and then i ended up getting the call back and the callback I went in and read with, uh, I think I did two reads with two people. Yeah. One, one of them was with Sylvia Kwan, who ended up getting getting the part of uh, Tom. Mm, um, right. So it wasn't hard because I, I think when I came in for the audition, I, I had prepped it so well and I had wanted to do the show for so long. Um, the callback, though, I was pretty nervous. And then... Jen sent out this, or she didn't send it out. I wasn't on Facebook, but she posted this incredible, uh, very kind of motivational uh, message to all the people coming in for callbacks. Yeah. And luckily, a friend of mine saw it posted, and she just happened to send it to me the night before I went in for the callback, and I read it, and man, it lit a fire. It lit a fire under my ass, and I was like, you know what? I don't give a shit. I'm gonna take this woman's note. I'm gonna go in and just do my thing, and and that's what I did for the callback. Right. The the and, post uh, the post was uh, Asian men always be always be sidestepping and through life they they we, they don't basically yeah yeah like we we uh we don't really voice our own opinions. We we're taught to be quiet. Uh, yeah. In uh, in, uh, in American society, you know and. Right. Uh, I believe that's the post you're talking about, right? Or yeah. Yeah, it's the line that stood out to me the most, and I'm paraphrasing, was when she said, "Man, when I told them to take up space, to own their space." Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. She said she saw something that was so heartbreaking and so beautiful at the same time, and then so that, so when I went in for the audition, I was like, you know what? I'm gonna fucking take up some space. Take that space, yeah. <laughs> take that, yeah. But at the same time, when I went, I also saw two actors that I highly respect. Um, and I was all, yeah, I'm not getting this. These two guys, are <laughs> <laughs> I'm all, they're really well known. I'm not gonna get this. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Like, one thing that, uh, just going back to that last scene is I. So Jen and I both grew up in the Bay Area. Uh, I grew up in the South Bay with a lot of uh, mm -hmm. Vietnamese uh, Americans, and uh, it's really interesting. I, I that that kind of. Uh, that viewpoint from the older generation so you know as as like uh, i'm a i'm like i'm a millennial i'm on the cusp of i'm an older millennial but um but basically we were taught like the vietnam war is terrible uh right. the americans should not have been there uh right. and but it's it was like very interesting seeing that last scene with 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 you and with you portraying the father and like saying like, oh, I, I didn't even think of it that I, I didn't see that viewpoint before. Exactly. And, yeah. and I, I would, I'd be, I'd be curious to hear your worldview about like, there's actually the Vietnamese American, the Vietnamese and Vietnamese American community is actually like any, 
like any uh, ethnic group is is very varied as far as political beliefs, you know, mm -hmm. uh, because uh, yeah, there's actually a really strong, I guess, what's the word, conservative element for some Vietnamese Americans. There's some very liberal Vietnamese. I'm just, yeah. if, I wonder if you could speak to that. Yeah. Um. The, I mean, as far as the conservative side of it, it's because. Yeah, because a lot, a big portion of the Vietnamese culture, or they're, they're a lot of them are Catholic, so there's that element. And then, as far as I know, it was the Republicans that were strong supporters of the Vietnam War. So when when the Vietnamese community came here, it was oh yeah, we we like the Republicans because they supported us during the war. Oh, know? interesting. Okay. So that's, that's a huge part of it. Plus, I mean, growing up, I mean, my mom's a registered Republican. Uh, huh. And I think my dad is too. But she, but, but growing up, she was never, that was never a thing that we talked about. I just remember, it was real funny because I didn't get political until later, but I just remember in 2000, that election, I remember her just saying or when, when, when Bush Gore, yeah, that was pre me being political at all. She just said, "Don't vote for Bush because if you vote for Bush, uh, we're gonna go to war." Right? <laughs> and then, and then of course nine eleven happened and everything. And then we did go to war. Yeah. And then I, and then, and then so that happened. And then fast forward to two thousand eight, which is when I started getting political. My dad was a big McCain guy, but it's because you know he fought in the war and McCain yeah. was a fighter pilot during the war right so i don't know they're not even true conservatives because over time growing me growing up in america here i i think i helped me my sister and my younger brother i think we helped shape their worldview mm. so they're registered republicans but now but they voted for obama in 2012 and my mom loves obama <laughs> you know she hates trump now so i don't know it, I was helping her fill out her uh, her her, her mail-in stuff, and and on the thing it said Republican. I was like, oh shit, you're still a Republican. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, but at the, but to correlate that with the end of the the play, yeah, that's the thing, right? Is that even myself growing up with a, a dad who fought in the war, because I never really heard my dad's perspective. And growing up in America, watching, you know, Platoon, uh, uh, I think it was called Tigerland, um, Hamburger Hill. Uh, <laughs> Full uh, Metal Jacket. Full Metal Jacket, Apocalypse Now. You know, you just think, oh, yeah, the Vietnam War was basically just fought by white dudes right. against a bunch of communist Asian dudes, right? And <laughs> it was a big mistake because that's all you ever hear, right? Fourth of July with Tom Cruise, you just hear, oh, it's a yeah. mistake. It's this terrible thing. Forrest Gump, it was a mistake, right? All these terrible things. And then it wasn't until, I'm actually kind of embarrassed to say, it, was, it probably wasn't until I started doing research for this that I even realized, oh, yeah. Because I've watched this play before, and you, you get the importance of that story that he tells at the end, but it wasn't until I really dove into the research, and I'm like, yeah, man, these guys risked everything it, it, american and Viet, vietnamese uh, mm. soldiers right risked everything so it wasn't a mistake you know not from my dad's right. eyes it, it wasn't a mistake it was what needed to be done right to prevent communism from spreading right 
Yeah. And uh, yeah, I'll... and then everything kind of hit home because growing up at my parents' house, my dad always flew. <laughs> he has a, he 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 has this flagpole up with the American flag and the Vietnamese flag below it. And I just thought, ah, you know, he, he fought in the war, so sure. But now it means everything to me, and I understand it so much more. And that's why that scene was my favorite scene out of the whole show. Yeah. I think that's everybody's favorite, too. Nah, man, I was like, fuck. I was, you know, laughing, and, like, through the show. And then the last show, I was like, fuck. Am I going to cry? Oh, shit. I, I, might, I might start crying. <laughs> you know, I'm like, Damn. You steal. You stealed yourself. You're all, no, I, no, I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Gone after Vietcon, you started um, booking more jobs, right? I mean, yeah. So the road up to Vietcon, I had booked uh, in 14. I booked my first professional credit. Then I was already kind of on a roll. Yeah, that's good. Booking one or sometimes two things a year, but coming off of Vietcon, I think. Uh, there's this kind of subconscious um, confidence you have. Right. But coming off such a powerful show, too, uh, that I was so proud to be a part of, I think, yeah, when I went into auditions, I was all, yeah, I don't I don't really give a shit right now because I just did Viet Gone, which is the proudest thing I've done. So these things I'm going in for, I don't really care if I get it or not, wow. especially if it's something that I really don't care about. You know, because again, that that end scene and then kind of reassessing my parents' sacrifices and and just the older generation, it kind of just made uh, the auditioning process kind of small to me. Not not that I don't enjoy it or respect it. It's just more of at the end of the day, none of that shit really matters. You know, mm, go yeah. in, you do, you do the work, you go in and you present the scene. And the rest is out of your control. And I think there's obviously a confidence that comes with that. And I think that helped a lot. Um, not to say that I don't still work really hard and get nervous about it, but it's just more of, at the end of the day, right, I know I did the work. I know I busted my ass. And if I don't get it, I'll, I'll, I'll mull over it a day or two or three. Right. But then pick myself back up and go at the next one, right? Because... Yeah, one of my old acting teachers said you can't carry, you know, your mistakes or, or past um, auditions into the room with you because then you're just going to make the same mistakes. It's, it's all yeah. looking forward. Yeah. So so I think that helps coming off of Vietcon. And then, yeah, since then, I've booked a handful of things that have been uh, pretty good. Cool. Yeah. I mean, you're in uh, Little Fires Everywhere. That's pretty awesome, man. Yeah. Congrats. Yeah. Congrats. <laughs> Tuesday, I dropped early, I dropped on Tuesday, but officially Wednesday, yeah. Right, there Thank was you. going to be a premiere, but because of the, you know, COVID-19 scare, I guess. Uh, it was, right, yeah. so there was going to be a red carpet premiere, uh, you know, so we we're going to get suited up, and I was going to bring my wife with me, and uh, it was going to be super fun, and then it got canceled because of, but, it, <laughs> but I actually, we're a whole body anyway, so we don't we didn't really care, and I kind of, I was actually kind of expecting it I, I was even saying to uh maggie my wife i was all i'd be surprised if they didn't cancel this right yeah fair enough they ended up canceling it so well, the thought was more of just shit man 
I guess. Yeah. I mean, do you want to talk a little bit about, you know, the process of getting that role and, and, and that character a little bit? Uh, not to spoil it for people, but just, to, you know, a little teaser, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the process in getting it was long-winded, so I'll try to make it short. But basically, I didn't originally have an audition for it. Um, uh, for whatever reason, uh, casting didn't bring me in. And that process is, you know, they have their process. And you have to respect that process. Um, we always try to understand it as actors, but that'll drive you crazy. But anyways, a friend of mine got the audition. He shared it with me, and I just thought, "Damn, this guy has a man bun. I have, I have a man bun." <laughs> I'm cool with that. Um, but I didn't get the audition. But my my circle of friends, we share our, our auditions with each other. Uh, I don't know, not not the NDA ones. <laughs> <laughs> But we, sh we share auditions with each other because we just try to help bring each other up, right? Yeah, yeah, man. And so he shared it with me, and then, so I put it on tape anyways, just for, for shits and giggles to get the practice in, but also to kind of show my reps and say, hey, look, I'm perfect for this role. I sent it, didn't get it called in. I was in New York, and then my reps in New York said, hey, have you gone in for Little Fires? And I said, no, I've been trying to get in. Yeah. And then so I think that convinced them to open the tape that I originally sent. Yeah, I think they. I think, and I don't know this, but I it has to be right. I think they sent that tape into casting, that I had tape from home. Casting must have seen it, and then I got a in person audition, and I auditioned in person, and then. I think two weeks later, or the that same day, I was pinned for it because they were interested, and then two weeks later, I ended up booking it. Wow. Uh, so it was kind of a a long process, but. Uh, yeah, I, I hustled to get that role, man. And with the help of my wife who read with me, the help of my friends who shared it with me, and David Rubin who cast it, who was amazing in the casting room. He's a dream casting director. Uh, I ended up I ended up getting it, and it was a great opportunity. Okay. Just for people who are like kind of curious about the, the auditioning process, how was the in-person audition like? Was that pretty nerve-wracking, or like how did you prep for that? Um, so luckily my friend had already shared it to me, right? Two or three weeks prior. So I knew, I already knew the scene. Got it. I, I, I've rehearsed it already. Uh, audition process is very different from office to office. So, so some offices you go in, they give you a day before, some two days before, whatever you go in, you, re you memorize the lines, you rehearse it, you prep it, and then you go in and you read it, Right as if it's a real scene, but you're in this 10 by 10 office with two people who aren't dressed the part, <laughs> kind of dressed the part, and you read it with them. And sometimes you get something, right? Some, as in you, the, the, the casting director reads it with you, and they get into it with you. Uh, sometimes you get a super dry read who, because they've read a hundred of you, you know, that day. So they're just reading, they're just going through the motions. Yeah. So it's up to you to bring it. Yeah. This particular office which is why I was saying is an actor's dream. He gets into it with you as in the, one of the opening scenes that I had was Carrie Washington's character. She, she walks up to me and she says something to me. Right. Yeah. So normally they'll just stand there behind the camera and they'll just read it with you. David Rubin, he, he acted <laughs> as if he was walking in and up to my face, like, the character was oh wow and so that, that adds this level of realism to it for you in the room 
and then the car scene he sat right next to me <laughs> and then they shot it they shot it as if i was sitting in the car oh. and so and so that helps because you're not pretending that the, the person is sitting over there yeah you know i mean it just helps the process so it just made it uh one of the best auditions i've ever been to in terms of the amount that they give you um yeah that's so that's the auditioning process yeah. so about uh, your character yeah who who is your character is scott from little from, yeah so i play scott uh he he so little fires everywhere is based on a book written by celeste ng um scott is a character that didn't exist in the book so he was created specifically for the series and again i don't i didn't talk with the writer so i don't know why he was created but I think he was created to contrast another character that exists in the book. Okay. And so that was really enjoyable because the character, this lawyer character that was written in the book, I was telling Dan earlier, is written how how Asian American men aren't typically written, right? As strong, smart, um, sexy, good-looking men. And, and he, he was a lawyer and two. And he defended, you know, the the main one of the main plot points in the show. Yeah. So my character Scott is written as the exact opposite of this, <laughs> quote unquote, perfect. He's kind of street. Uh, He's kind of street. You know? <laughs> he uh, he wants to be. Oh, he wants. He, <laughs> he thinks he thinks he is. And so I thought that was incredible for the for the writers um, and the showrunner Liz. Liz to write this character to have two Asian men in the show who you don't typically see, right? You typically see Asian men as nerds, asexual, gay, or foreign, right? Yeah. And nothing wrong with any of those, but those are just, that's all you ever typically, oh, and martial artists, right? Yeah. Those are the five that you typically see us in. So to see us as a, a, an all-American lawyer and a kind of a CD irresponsible um, son to immigrants. Yeah, uh, it was it was great. So that's in a nutshell. That's who Scott is, and I think he was a counter to to the other the lawyer character, the more model um, minority type guy, I guess. Or yeah, or no. He, so he's not a model minority. He's not a minor um, minority. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That's what I mean. Is that he. He might pres. You might assume that that's what just it's from be those, just those, just from those check marks, you know, those boxes. Yeah, yeah. Right, but but yeah, the, the writers, um, all the writers and the writers, and they wrote these really cool, complex characters. And even though I'm not in it a lot, I make these. I, I've been saying to my friends, you know, who are they're like, oh my god, I'm out. They're short and sweet appearances, <laughs> but, but they're so interesting because you just don't see us written in that way. Yeah. So the entire Liz and the entire team were amazing. That's great because I, I, I think as Asian, be, being Asian American men, I think it's really important for us to see those representations in the media. To be honest, and I mean I, I've read some. I've read an article like that was kind of criticizing Celeste Ang before about you know, lack of Asian male representation in her work, and so I'm really mm -hmm. glad that they actually made the effort to you know include your character and the the other that's 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 great to hear yeah yeah to be fair to celeste ing i mean her first book um everything i never told you the first the, i mean i'm sorry that book 
the 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 protagonist in that is an Asian American male. Okay. Um, so that's one. Two in Little Fires, yeah. There's not there there isn't many Asian characters in there. There's in the book. There's the lawyer, and there's mention of uh, Mr. Yang, I believe, who lives in the duplex that that uh, Mia Warren lives in. But they're but they're Mr. Yang's just mentioned, and then the lawyer plays a pretty prominent role. But for them to add Scott character is great. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm not saying that we need more representation. We definitely, you know, but I was saying to Dan earlier, for us to get bigger roles and, and for the story to revolve around us, we need to write for ourselves and mm. create for ourselves. Yeah. Um, because at the end of the day, Little Fires isn't about this Asian um, dude and his family. It's about uh, the Richardsons, which is, uh, you know, the Richardsons, who, who the matriarch is played by Reese Witherspoon, and... Mia Warren, who is played by Kerry Washington, and then the rest of this cast is supporting them mm. to tell the story. Right, right, right. But it was just it was refreshing to read Little Fires and to, to read about this lawyer who is not written in that, you know, as Asian men aren't typically written in that way. Right. But I thought that was great. Now, could there have been more? Yes. I, I would have loved to see more of that character. And who knows, maybe they'll do a spin-off. But sure, sure, yeah. Um she, they, she definitely wrote positive uh, 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 images, or she presented Asians in a positive image in, in Little Fires. That's great. Yeah, yeah. Uh, how was how was the filming process? Uh, that was filmed, I'm assuming, last year or or wait, early this. Let me think. Yeah, last year, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't remember exactly when they start. I think I want to say they started in. Production started in June or July. I came in in about August. Okay. Uh, but the experience was was great. Um, it's, I mean, this for me, it's the highest profile project I've been a part of. Mm. So that was great. My favorite part was just seeing Reese Witherspoon and Kerry Washington in their roles as executive producers. Man, mm. it's it's incredible to see two women. You know, but talking about taking charge of our own stories, they're taking charge and they're finding stories that they want to tell. And and to see them produce and star in it just was an inspiration for me because then I watched them and how they were working and I just thought, I, I want to do that for Asian Americans. Ah, cool. You know, what they're doing for women and what Kerry Washington is doing for not only women, but African American women, right? Right, right, right. Right. So that process, that was cool. I didn't, I didn't work with Reese that much. I saw her at the table reads. So she's super professional, just very, just on it, man. You can just tell, right? But came in prepared. It was really nice. Same for Kerry Washington, professional. Treated me really well. She was so incredibly nice and, and gracious, um, but busy, you know. Yeah. So you can kind of tell, you know, when she was off with her team. You know to leave them alone. But when she was in it with us, she was she was super sweet and nice. When there were emotional scenes or very kind of uh, high stakes scenes, you knew to leave her alone because she would she would be in her space. Ah. So I learned a lot in that process too. Um, just in the sense of as again not to as Asian Americans, right? We don't get many of these opportunities. So often when we're on set, at least for me, you just go, "Ooh, I'm just thankful to be here. I'm just I just want to." Um, I don't want to step on any toes. I just, you know, I just want to be here and do good work. Yeah. Um, and and 
almost it's it's the Asian in me, but it's also because I'm not on set all the time. You just want to please people. You just want to yeah. do a good job, right? But watching Carrie work, I just thought, wow, that's holy shit. That's a professional, you know. She's able to manage the uh, socializing along with the the acting, along with the producing, all at once, and and that was what I took away the most. Ah. Honest, watching her work, um, everybody was great. The crew was great. The cast was great. Uh, every everybody was really nice I did, I did there were no egos or anything that i ran into yeah is that that can't happen mm, um, but right. they were done here but i think it was it trickles down right it starts with reese and carrie uh washington reese witherspoon and carrie washington it, and it, it trickles down from there and, and they were always cordial professional really maternal so i think that made it easier for they everybody. set the tone right yeah right yeah that's cool. So, um, when are you gonna rewrite your one-man show? <laughs> <laughs> I know we talked about it earlier. I mean, we before. I mean, two years ago when I first met you, we, you were telling me about it, and I was kind of interested in like watching it. And then mm -hmm. you were like, oh, I'm in the process of rewriting it." So, do you have? I'm. You're working uh, on it. Well, it took me eight years to to <laughs> to finish that one. Wow. Uh, this is and for when you put it secret identity after eight crisis, years, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Secret identity crisis, okay. Yeah. And what, where did you put it on at? So it was so I put it up in 2017 at the Hollywood Fringe Festival. So the Hollywood Fringe is uh months long uh theater art, not not art, but theater. Um, uh, I don't even know what the word for it would be a uh, festival, and there's just theaters all across. Los Angeles that um, put on shows and you just watch it for months and months and months and mine was just one of them um, but yeah that that was a process too so like I said it took me eight years to write it and I, I my writing coach uh, Jessica Johnson on a whim told me hey you should submit your story to this uh, the Hollywood Fringe for their diversity scholarship and I was just like, yeah, you know, I'm not, I don't know. And but I told her I would, so I I submitted it. And next thing you know, I I actually got the scholarship along with other people. And I just remember thinking, oh shit, this is happening. So then all the research that I did in the eight years, I had to, and all the different storylines that I kind of wanted to tell, I had I had two months basically to compress all that research into a one man a one hour one man show and. And my writing coach helped me to um, to fine tune it and to take it down to what it ended up being. And then a, a good friend of mine, uh, two, a few good friends of mine, helped me also to uh, to you know to to tell the the story better. And uh, yeah, and then I ended up putting it up you know, in 2017. Awesome. So are you are you so Dan mentioned you're revisiting that work or are you kind of revising it or? Um, I'm always uh, so yeah I'm always rewriting in my head and and formulating uh, how to reapproach it because the show is called Secret Identity Crisis. Uh, if you don't know anything about it, James, it's basically it's taking Asian American history to reimagine. Um, 
Batman, Spider-Man, and Superman as Asian American men. Okay. To to reimagine their origin stories. Huh. So it's secret identity because they're all superheroes. They all have secret identities. But as Asian American men, they're all dealing with identity crises, right? Ah. So, right. So you have Bruce Wang is Batman. <laughs> then you have Clark Cato is Superman. And then you have Peter Park as Spider-Man. Ah. <laughs> they're, they're each influenced by, by something that happened in real Asian American history that eventually gets them to become who they are ah. so superman's parents were japanese internment camp um uh prisoners right or internees and then batman was named after bruce lee and becomes batman and and really dark after vincent chin is murdered oh wow and, yeah and then peter park is he represents today and the YouTube generation. So it's not really historical, but he wants to be a YouTube star. Sure. And I thought of that shit long before Spider-Man Homecoming, okay? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but anyways. Uh, I like that so, movie. That's a good one, though. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. The, yeah, that, I, I did like that yeah. one. Um, but yeah, so. But interlaced in that story is my story about how I was influenced as a kid growing up watching G.I. Joe or basically show t cartoons or shows with white leads, right? So then it's just my journey growing up to who I am today. And then you intermix these superheroes who are also dealing with their identity crises. And, uh, but since then, right, since it came out, you had Crazy Rich Asians drop, you, you had uh, Fresh Off the Boat was already out, but it became more successful. Then you have, now have Aquafina show, you have farewell you know she won the golden globe blah 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 so a lot has changed since then so now i have to rewrite it because at the time it was this the play was also about oh there's not enough representation for us sure sure now it's okay there's representation but there needs to be more right right or maybe so maybe the quality that. of it quality of the representation or the stories that we want to tell maybe yeah we need more of that yeah. right yeah, yeah. right so during the show i touch on all of that i touch on white washing Asian characters, yeah. um, things like that. But now it's hopefully changing. So the show also has to transform with it. Mm. So it, it, it'll retain a lot of its original elements, but it's now it's adding in the, the new stuff, right, that's happening. Is it available to view anywhere or you're, or it's only uh, like a theater, like you can only see it live? It was only live. I archived it, so the quality of the footage isn't very good. And it was also, I think, recorded during a preview, so it was, <laughs> you know, technical difficulties and stuff. So, so there's that video. I have it. I, I just don't share it with anybody yeah, just yeah. because the quality isn't very good. Um, but I have it. Okay. <laughs> um, I'm kind of curious, like touching back on your childhood, just maybe to, to go. To go back a little bit, um, you're a Southern California native, I saw, and uh, mm -hmm. just kind of give us a little bit uh, briefing of like what your childhood was like. You you grew up, so you're a second generation Vietnamese American. Mm -hmm. Okay, and you're you're. I would be confused. I get yeah. I'm second. I, I was born here. My parents right. Uh, yeah. Refugees and immigrated here, so I was born here. So yeah, second gen. Uh, yeah, man. I grew up. You know, when you're growing up, you don't. At least for me, I don't know about you guys, but I didn't really question my identity. You know, you just have friends. So I had white friends, Mexican friends. Uh, my best friend growing up is a black dude, and he's still my friend. To the, we've been best friends for 30 years. 
Um, typical Asian family, you know, my parents wanted me to focus on school. Uh, could, wasn't supposed to have a girlfriend, you know, until, <laughs> until I was 32, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> but so the, the one man show hits on that, right? I grew up watching Transformers, um, He-Man, G.I. Joe. No, classics, man. They're classics. Yeah. They're yeah. Classics, right. Uh, but at the same time, I grew up watching with my mom. I watched I Love Lucy. I watched Charlie Chaplin. I watched Benny Hill. So those kind of influences were all over the place. Uh, but I like sports. I, I played sports. I had at one point as a kid, I was like, I'm going to grow up. I'm going to be a baseball player. But <laughs> yeah, I, I don't even know why I wanted to do that. I just thought maybe it was cool. Um, uh, yeah, my dad used to teach. So we'd come home, have homework, and my dad had extra homework for us that he created. What? Uh, just at the basic <laughs> level, you know, math, you know, adding, subtracting, uh, multiplication, division, shit like that. Yeah. So when I, by the third, fourth grade, I was, my friends thought I was a genius. <laughs> just because my dad made me do extra homework. Wow. Well, yeah, you... but we didn't grow up in, most Vietnamese, a lot of the Vietnamese people I know, they grew up in, uh, OC or Westminster. Yeah, or, the enclave. Yeah, you know, Vietnamese enclave. Yeah. We didn't. We didn't grow up there. We grew up in a city called Norwalk, um, which was mainly majority Hispanic. Oh. And yeah, and I actually kind of thinking back now in retrospect, I actually really appreciated that opportunity because then, not that any of my friends in OC only hang out with Vietnamese, but that's what you're surrounded by, right? Um, whereas, and I was surrounded by. Latinos, uh, Koreans. My, like I said, my best friend was black. I was surrounded by white kids, so I kind of got a little mix of everything growing up. Okay. Huh. So then, like, uh, when did this sort of, so did your idea, your identity as a Vietnamese American? When did that come into play? Like, more in high school or college? Like, when did you start identifying yourself? Or you always thought of yourself like, yeah, I'm, I'm Vietnamese American, or I'm Asian American, or? No, hell no. No. Well, it's, <laughs> it's it's confusing uh it's it's a really long story but like i said i grew up with all different sorts of cultures um there was a kid down the street that was a big michael jordan fan yeah so <laughs> you know i remember he wanted man he wanted the jordan i think the jordan fours or fives that's not what they were called at the time but and i was like yeah I, I i want i want that too and then so i got a pair but i didn't really i didn't really watch basketball um uh I don't even think I thought about being Vietnamese until I was older, you know, because growing up when you're being made fun of, they kind of just people who make fun of you, they kind of just compact you into they're just like, oh, you're Chinese, right? You're, you're yeah. Chinese, <laughs> yeah, it's like I didn't even have the wherewithal to say I'm not I'm not even Chinese, man. You know, you just you take offense to it. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and even then, that's kind of like, well, why are you making fun of Chinese in the first place, too, right? Like, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, it, you know, and then, and then, but then I end up growing up watching anime, so then I love Japanese culture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then, but then in high school, I went through this phase where I I dated a girl that was from Orange County, and then she went to a predominantly Vietnamese school. So then, at that point, I was all, yeah, Vietnamese, you know, I'm Vietnamese, <laughs> right? But. I, know what any half that shit meant you know i still i still wasn't respecting my parents and what their experience was it was right. just kind of my girlfriend went to a vietnamese school so then i what, found and she was pride. vietnamese i'm guessing or she, yeah she was vietnamese yeah. and then and then later on it wasn't until 
honestly, man, I said it's so immature. It wasn't until that friend of mine, Tom, who convinced me to go back to college that I really started to kind of come into who I was as a person. Mm. And it was like he said, right? College isn't about the degree. It's about learning about yourself and the world around you. And that's when I started to kind of appreciate more. Um, and then I remember thinking, uh, and then I really got into it when, uh, in two, when I started developing Secret Identity Crisis because at the time they were casting uh, these white kids to play uh, these Asian kids in The Last Airbender. Oh, uh, right. Oh, yeah. but I love <laughs> I love Avatar: The Last Airbender. Real talk. And Great show. I, yeah. I, and I got into it late. I got into it like way after the series ended. And then, but yeah. Anyway, sorry. Continue. Yeah, yeah. No, but but anyway. So it's there's always spurts throughout my life of recognizing that that I was Asian American, that I was Vietnamese. It's just sporadic, dude. Because for me, anyways, growing up again in Norwalk, I didn't have a lot of Vietnamese friends. So it was just more of trying to identify with others while while not really fully understanding who I was. And those were just, as I got older, right, you mature and you develop, you go, oh, that's, I'm not just Asian, I'm specifically Vietnamese, mm. um, too. So I don't know, I, I view myself as, and but now I view myself as Vietnamese, obviously, but Asian American more, because I, I even though our cultures are all very different, I think we, it goes back to being called Chinese when I was young, right? Yeah, yeah. I, feel like we we as a community just have so many great things and i just am so proud to just be asian um in general because i think at the root of it we all have kind of similar cultural uh values values and stuff but then once you split into our specific ethnicities obviously it's they're, they're very you know different values but I, I just grew up liking anime i grew up having korean friends i grew up having vietnamese friends i grew up having uh, Filipino friends, you know, so I just love all Asian Americans, right. to be honest with you. Right, yeah. And that's who I'm myself now. Like, it's an honor to be Asian, right? That's what Sandra O oh said. Right? <laughs> Damn right. Damn right. Do you have one of those shirts? Where Asians are sexy as fuck. The world is just slowly coming to realize. Oh, that. yeah. It's they're, 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 people are catching up, yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're just, they're just behind. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Dan, did you have any questions or? I was just curious if you actually had one of those shirts for me, no. players. No, no, I, I don't have one of those shirts actually. I what, uh, Jen? Jen, Jen, come here. She should get you a shirt, man. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, hell, I'll, I'll take it. I, I just don't wear stuff with labels anymore. Um, uh, very specific stuff, but I, I love those shirts. I just don't wear stuff with labels on them. And, right. Yeah. So, uh, one thing, uh. I kind of want to. Well, you were also the voice of Shen in White Snake. I saw, and I saw, yeah. I saw. I didn't see your dub version, but I saw the uh, I saw the the subtitled version. Uh, I was just curious about that experience because, like, that's a pretty intense. It's like one of the few anime or an. Okay, first off, it's a Chinese animation, which is actually mm -hmm. it's coming up. It's coming up, and two, dude, this there's a sex. There's there's some sexy scenes in there. 
like for <laughs> like for like animation generally you know it's for kids you know kids or family but there's like i'm like oh damn they're wow they're going there you know like yeah, yeah yeah so i'm just curious about your experience as uh doing voicing and maybe uh yeah your experience as a uh, doing voiceover yeah um so for so to start I honestly didn't know what I was getting myself into. <laughs> I, in not just in terms of the the the, the project. I, I honestly thought when I auditioned and then when I booked it, I thought I was doing the VO for the maybe the DVD release. Oh, okay. Legit. That's what I totally thought it was. And then um, so when I so that was one, and then. Two, it made me have a whole new respect for voice actors, man. Oh, okay. That experience was incredible. Um, you don't realize how much work you think. You know, a lot of actors think, oh, you know, VO, you go in in your pajamas and nobody cares. <laughs> but man, it's it is so hard. It is so active. I mean, I don't know if you guys ever saw that that um, that ADR session, that VO session that Hugh Jackman had for. I want to say Logan, but he's in the sound. You should look it up on YouTube. Okay. But he's—it's the scene where he's running, or no, it's for um, the Wolverine, the one with uh, with uh, Ryan Reynolds. He's running through the forest and stuff, and he's stabbing people. Oh, so he had origins. to get APR for that, right? Okay. Yeah. And when you watch him do it, it's incredible. But it's one thing to watch it, or you, when you watch um, shoot, what's the guy's name that plays Gollum? All these incredible actors, man. All these. Andy Serkis. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All motion capture actors, right? It's incredible. You watch it, but you don't really fully understand it until you're until you're doing it. I didn't have to do motion capture for it. Yeah. But I kind of came in again thinking, oh, it's it's for the DVD release. You know, I booked this, I got this. So I go in and I'd say a line. You know, so I think one of the first scenes I did was the scene when this cart comes crashing down, and I think I catch plates and things like that. So I'm just kind of casually going, oh, hey, oh, oh, hey, oh, oh, right. <laughs> Uh, no, no, bro. Stephanie, who was uh, who handled the, all the recording, and she she basically directed my 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 whole session. Stephanie, all my session. Uh, Stephanie Shea, right? Yeah. Shea, yeah. Yeah, uh -huh. Taiwanese American uh, voice actor actress. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. she's in, she's great, man. She was really sweet, really great to work with. But she's all okay, okay, cool for a first take. But let's go back and. By the end of it, you realize how active you have to be in the whole process. Uh, I'm talking about if he's running and jumping the wall, you're confined in this four by four, maybe five by five space yeah. with a microphone right here, and you've got to do all you got to do all that shit. You got to pretend like you're fucking pushing open the door, but then how heavy is the door? How you know all that shit? And and she was there guiding me the whole way, and and every session I walked out of, I was sweating and I was tired and. I was done, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so it gave me a whole new respect for voice actors. I've always respected them. Yeah. But on a more generic level, you know. Ah. But then doing that little. So, anyways, by the end of it, I finished it. Uh, you know, walked away, got paid for it, whatever. It was a great experience. Stephanie was awesome. And then next thing you know, she texts me. She goes, "Hey, uh, there's this premiere for it, and do you want to attend it? Do you want to go to this thing?" And and then when it was uh, released on IMDb, just the info. Yeah. I was like, what? $60 million opening? What, 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 what's going on? And 
then I realized, oh, there was a dub release, and then there was a subtitle release. Ah. But I com- I was completely clueless on how big of a budget it was. I just remember when I stepped into the booth and I saw the video at first, I was like, damn, this looks great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but again, I thought I was recording it just for the DVD release. Ah, uh, right. Um, can, yeah. can you talk about your character just real quick for people who don't know the the, sh- the, the movie or, yeah? Um, yeah, so Shren, he so he's this kind of happy-go-lucky dude who, who is kind of like this... Um, how do you say? I didn't get to watch the whole thing when I first recorded uh, it. Ah, got it, got it, yeah. Uh, but basically, he's this dude that falls in love with this uh, this woman who also happens to be the White Snake. Um, right. And he he just goes along for the ride. It's it's it. While I was recording it, I was all, "Damn, this is really really sexual." <laughs> There's a lot of sexual innuendos in there, and I just remember because again, when I'm recording. You gotta understand that I'm I'm only recording my stuff, so I had at the time I had zero context of what is going on oh. in the overall story. So you're not you're not right? playing off another actor or any other voice artist. No, no, no. Oh, well, gotcha. No, it was already pre-recorded stuff, and a lot of it was so me hearing uh the char- the, the female character the, the female love interest was named I think they named her Bianca if I remember correctly. Yeah, yeah, Bianca or yeah. Bianca. Yeah, yeah. Um, I often heard her, her the, the Chinese voice actress. So I would be reading the subtitles. Oh. And then I would, and then I would react, act in in VO in English. Gotcha. So it was a lot of that. But then there were snippets, right? So there just would be all of these out of context scenes, and we would jump from you know one scene from the beginning or maybe the end, or we jump to the middle. So I saw I saw it in all sorts of. Uh, parts of not all sorts of but different parts of the story completely out of context <laughs> i saw um, i saw the trailer and dubbed version i was like oh dude yeah you guys like all the voice all the english voice actors i thought did a good job dude it was like it, it matched real well man yeah thanks yeah, dude yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah I, so yeah things like that are cool because i was i guess ignorance is bliss <laughs> I don't know if I would have been different if I came into it knowing that it was this multi-million dollar budget project from China. Right. It's one of the, that one and Neizha, I think those were like the two biggest Chinese animation films coming out of China that year. And uh, yeah, no, that's, that's, that's crazy. You were, that's, that's, uh, that's great that you were a part of one of them yeah, with the White Snake. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So how are you holding up? In the COVID nineteen thing, yeah, I mean you're house like cor- hanging out How self quarantine? Yeah, uh, it's been going pretty well actually. Uh, my wife and I were homebodies, so it's not really that different. Except you don't get to go hang out with with people whenever. So normally when we're home, we're all, oh, you know, I miss my sister. I'm gonna go hang out with my sister. I miss my brother. I'm gonna go hang out with my brother or my friends. Now you're all, ooh, I, I probably shouldn't. <laughs> but oftentimes we're, oftentimes when we go, we kind of want to be home anyways. So we're just all, yeah, this is kind of nice. Mm. Um, we, we've been binge watching a lot of stuff, ca- catching up on a lot of shows that we've either been meaning to watch or never finished. Um, it's just important, you know. I just think it's important to stay home and not help spread this thing. And so, yeah. You know, we just go to the market whenever we need to go to the market. 
we don't over buy anything. We're not trying to Boy. stock up on shit. Yeah. 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 We're not. Yeah. We're not just. It's incredible, man. You go to these shelves and you just see. The other day I was at Sprouts and I was like, you know, I'm gonna go pick up some cereal. And Maggie's all, yeah, go pick up some cereal. And I get there and nothing is there. Oh, <laughs> single box of cereal. I was like, it wasn't even. I was just thinking, fuck, people who need it can't get it. Yeah. But two. Fuck, man, I couldn't get those puffins that I wanted. <laughs> is it, but I only wanted one box. Is it just you and your wife in the home? Uh, and our dog, Soda Pop. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. Supposedly, dogs are okay. I don't think they... They're not sure yet. They're not sure if dogs can catch it yet. Yeah, they're... they're. Dan, do you have you heard any research yet, or...? I haven't heard anything yeah. about dogs. <laughs> I don't know if they're too sure of anything, man. Yeah. It's just no. a yeah. big show right now. Um, well, one thing I, one thing I heard recently is like you don't you lose a sense of smell and taste. Oh really? Have, yeah. Uh, so dry cough, high fever, um, and then aches, obviously like any other flu, but you lose a sense of smell and sm- sense of taste. Cool. Nope, I'm still smelling stuff. <laughs> so I, <can't. laughs> I I have a I I I think I'm I don't know if I'm paranoid, but I think I I think I already got it. Like what? I think I got it in like end of January already. Cause I had the I had I had I had a, I think I had the flu. I had the flu like around New Year's, <laughs> and then I caught something else like a, like a few weeks later. I was like, damn, I'm sick again. But it was like I was coughing hard, and now there's research saying that oh maybe COVID nineteen has been around longer than we thought, and that you know. Anyways, I don't want to say anything on, you know, we, nothing's too sure yet. We'll, we'll see what happens after this podcast is released. And God damn well, it. I, <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if I have it already. I, I went through the same thing with you in January, but I get, I get, I'm the worst sick person you'll ever meet in your life. Oh, you get sick multiple times. Yes. Oh. And then for, 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 for weeks at a time, oh, I'll shoot. be sick for two, three weeks. I'm, I'm terrible. Oh, man. So you you got to be extra careful, fun. man. You got to be extra careful. Yeah. Um, I just I just had two things and then maybe we'll just wrap it up. Uh, one thing I wanted to talk about was kind of like your acting process. Uh, I know each actor is different, each show is different, but like you know, just kind of like I, I'm I'm always very interested in hearing about craft, right? I myself mm-hmm. am I I started as an actor in high school and I did some acting. I minored in theater in college, and Jen mm-hmm. actually directed me in one of my first theater shows at UCSD. Um, Mm -hmm. and uh, now I'm doing more of the writing and directing. Um, so I guess as, as it sounds like you also want to do more writing and, uh, directing and, and as well as acting. Um, but I'm, yeah, yeah, I'm a little bit curious about your craft, uh, uh, as an actor, uh, how do you approach roles? Uh, do you like, you do, you go really deep on research or it depends on the role, just kind of like, you know, kind of like your, your craft. Yeah. Yeah. I, it depends on the role. So, like I said, when I first started and I did uh, One Hour Fantasy Girl, yeah, I did research in what I thought. Um, so I played a uh, like a musical producer, like a, uh, an independent amateur musical producer. So I read up on it, and, but I didn't go, you know, I didn't have the luxury of going and finding an actual musical producer. I guess I could have, but like I said, I was green. So I've come a long way since then, but now, you know, I've come to realize that it depends on the role. So for something like Viet Gone, 
I interviewed my dad. I talked to my dad. Uh, I questioned my. I read, you know, um, books. I I watched that great Ken Burns documentary. Um, oh, Vietnam. But it was Vietnam, interviewing yeah, my dad. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and and, but at the same time, I realized that as a Vietnamese American, uh, there's an acting coach named Larry Moss who talks about blood memory, right? Being Vietnamese, it's it's in my blood. So, <laughs> so for Viet Gone, I, I did the research, I did the interviews, I allowed the blood memory to be there. But once all that's done and the show's there, or the, the rehearsal process starts, bring all that. But you gotta at the same time you gotta kind of let it go because mm. then you're then you're put into a room with all the other actors, right? Then you have a phenomenal director like Jen who also shapes it, right? So you can't, I'm not sitting there going, well, you know, my dad would have said it like this. It's who, who am I as a person? What did I gain from all this research? And how, you know what I mean? And then I'm going to bring that to who, who I think this character playing is. Mm. And then I have a director who helps shape it. But then you can play stuff like, um, we'll use Little Fires Everywhere, right? I knew guys like that growing up. I knew guys who were um i'm not trying to give anything away for your audience but i knew guys who were like this dude and so i drew from my memory of who they were right and i try to layer that into the character but then once again once you get on set yeah you're playing off the other actor the other actress carrie right? washington yeah that's great yeah. Right? who's who's obviously really experienced who's a great actress so you just you kind of got to drop all that and just listen mm. and play, right? And then the director will give you notes. We love things. And then I brought, you know, I, I think once you're, when you're prepared in that way, then you can bring ideas to it. So, for example, there were certain, you know, there's certain, you're a writer director, right? Yeah. There are certain things written on the page, but what we're paid to do is to bring like these new ideas, these nuances of the character. So I did these things that came naturally to me during the shooting process. Yeah. But I don't think they would have came to me if I hadn't done the research into thinking about the guys that I knew who were like this. Uh... So for example, there was this one scene. So the character, this doesn't give anything away, but he's the, the character I play, Scott, he's this very uh, aggressive, wannabe ladies man dude right sure yeah and so he, he basically hits on Kerry washington's character so there's this one scene it was a really small scene um i walk out and i give her her paycheck right but in my research right i know guys who are like this like who who can't take no for an answer right? <laughs> they clearly are not interested in me but the way it's written right I continue to hit on her. So what I did was, um, I give her the I give her the check, right? Yeah. And it's just written in there that I give her the check and I walk off. Yeah. But but instinctually, I did this thing where I handed her the check. Yeah. And when she grabs it, I like I I I didn't give it to her. Oh, okay. You know what I mean? <laughs> I <laughs> like I and then I add kind of like this douchey kind of like, uh 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 uh, you know? Yeah yeah. Which lead on to other things in later episodes. Oh, okay, okay. So in the in the research, right, you you got to be able to let that all go and allow for 
for these natural things to happen to play. And Carrie loved that idea. She, I remember her saying to me, she's like, I love, I love that. Ah, right. So it's, I don't know, man, I'm, I'm, I'm of the school of, it just depends on what the role is, you know, for something like that. I know guys like that. I don't need to interview guys like that. Right. I grew up seeing that. And I remember thinking, damn, I, I wish I was like that. <laughs> now, as a, as I'm older, I'm going, damn, I'm not like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so, so I, there was not a lot of research. It was just more of prepping, like, who, who is this guy? Why would he, why does he not take no for an answer? Who were his parents, right? Growing up in this Chinese family, running your parents' restaurant, right? Yeah. Selling drugs on the side, whatever. What led him to that? Yeah. It's just a lot of imagining, just a lot of thinking about that. And but if I was doing something like being gone, it's a lot of reading, it's a lot of interviewing, it's a lot of processing what my parents went through. You know what I mean? Um, so it just depends on the role, man. Yeah. So like like that that moment of you like pulling the check, like you just do that impromptu. Like you don't you don't you don't tell them anything. You just you just do it, and then she reacts, right? Like you, well that that came that came during the rehearsal. Oh, rehearsal. So, Got it. Okay. Rehearsal is not like theater rehearsal where you have a month to rehearse it. It's you come on a set, you, know, you better know your lines. Yeah. And the, you know, you get your makeup done, your your costume on, you're sitting in the trailer or wherever you're sitting, and you're waiting for them to call you. Once they call you, they say, All right, let's do a read through or a rehearsal, right? Sure, so yeah. you basically stand in a circle and you just say the lines. So I as I was doing that during the rehearsal, I thought of that and I was all, oh. So then I afterwards I didn't take up my space and just do it. I actually went to Karen. I said, "Hey, are you okay with that?" And she said, "She's a, I, I love it. Uh, I think it's such a, it's such a, it's so right for him." Yeah. Right. Um, so it came during the rehearsal, and you know, other things come up instinctually, maybe during the shoot. So that goes back to what Jen was saying, right? Take up the space. Allow yourself to do those things be unapologetic for it yeah. because you might get gold out of it. But I feel like a lot of times prior to Viet Gone, Jen gave me this permission prior to Viet Gone, I probably wouldn't have done that. I probably ah. would, have just, would have just handed it to her and been like, see ya, say my lines and leave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? But part of owning your space is saying, you know what? I have ideas. I'm bringing my, I'm bringing these ideas to the table. And so I'm not an acting guru or anything like that. I'm still learning. And so what has worked for me is it just depends on the role. It depends on the, the, the how, you know, how deep you have to go. Because for some roles, you don't have to go deep at all. Yeah. Some roles, I find what relates to me and the character. I bring that, and then I try to add on as much as I can. Mm. And sometimes less is more, you know? Yeah, cool, man. I think the, the last thing I kind of just want to touch on is um yeah so like for asian men taking up space and and standing up for ourselves and i think now especially in this time with you know the president calling it you know a chinese virus and stuff like that um <laughs> i i'm just kind of curious about your kind of political you mentioned becoming more politically aware fairly recently um yeah mm -hmm. what's your take on the current like you know the climate current situation and what, what, are, what, and when you, when you talk, and talk a little bit about your political awakening, what, what kind of views you stand for and where you're at right now? Yeah. I am a flaming liberal. <laughs> 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 um, I, yeah, 
but it didn't start for me until 2008, which was about is about the time I was going to Cal State Long Beach. So again, it goes back to my friend Tom, who encouraged me to go back to school to learn more about myself and about the world around me. Right. Uh, earlier on, I was already pretty open to as one example. Right. I was open to the LGBT community long before I even knew it as that. Right. I just had a good friend who happened to be gay. I was super open to it. Um, and, and then as I went to college, I realized that a lot of my beliefs uh, aligned with the liberal or the Democratic Party. And But anyways, in college, I took a, a rhetorical theory class. And so we had to watch... Um, at the time, it was McCain and Obama and Hillary and Obama, you know, during the Democratic primary. Yeah, so yeah. we had to watch speeches to to write about them in this rhetorical theory class. And that teacher's passion for um, uh, politics really got me interested. And, and that's kind of where I kind of started. And then I just really started to agree with what Hillary at the time was saying and what Obama was saying. And then, of course, Obama became the nominee and I was all about it. But then for me to vote, I wanted to make sure that I was at least knowledgeable and to know what I was voting for. Yeah. And then so and then so I kind of just started paying attention more. And then, you know, next thing you know, I was watching MSNBC, CNN, uh, reading, uh, listening to NPR, listening to KPCC, you know, uh, listening to KCRW, and all, all this shit that I, if you would have talked to me, to 18-year-old me, yeah, and said, oh yeah, you're gonna be interested in politics, you're gonna, I'd be all, bro, fuck you. I'm not <laughs> but anyways, that's how I got my, my feet wet, and then just over the last... 12 years just listening to it paying attention to it i've become very uh proactive in it i um you know whether it's attending marches i made some phone calls during some of the the elections but probably definitely not as much as i should i want to this time around and i'm going to for 2020 because i'm it's important man uh, yeah <laughs> especially right now and then with the as far as this president goes and him calling it the Chinese virus. <sighs> the way I look at it, the way I look at it is not to not to ignore the question. I view my life in epiphanies and kind of just my experiences. The way I look at it is, I often you often think, oh yeah, there's no way in hell Nazi Germany could ever happen again, let alone here in America, yeah, right? Yeah. And then you hear this guy speak this clown and you go and then you see his following and you go holy shit it could totally happen again you know what yeah I mean? there's a spy that's how I, yeah yeah that's how i view every time he says this this the chinese virus it's just like hitler saying you know the jews are rats or the jews are 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 uh i don't, I don't even they're a disease on, on germany you know it's he's he's using the exact same rhetoric right but it's just um, a lot, even because he's not a he's not a, a powerful orator like Hitler was, you know. Yeah. But he has the power of Twitter. He has the power of social media. Yeah. He has the power of of that. That's what I think 
catapults his 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 viewpoint. It's not really him. He's not he's not a good speaker. He's a shit speaker, to be honest with you. Yeah, and there's and a, I think every, his supporters know that. And there's a so lot I think of, it's yeah. ridiculous that he's blaming it on any one culture. Uh, I think he needs to get the hell out of office. <laughs> and there's a lot of anti-Asian like. There's there's attacks in New York happening. There's stuff. Uh, there's like incidents here in the OC and LA. It's it's kind of uh, I don't know, man. I'm I'm just feeling, I I like real talk. I put like a like a wooden uh, katana in my, you know, back of my car just in case, you know, just to protect myself in case any shit goes down. Like I I usually don't have any weapons in my car, but like I was like I need at least like some sort of stick or something just in case. You know, you never know. Uh, it, Interesting. Yeah, I I have my fists. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I we got, we have to practice again. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I I when I walk by people, I I kind of think, huh, I wonder if they're looking at me, thinking what I've seen go on. You know. Yeah. Um, I ha- I haven't experienced it personally. But I'm not surprised that that it happens, man. It's it's kind of I, I always think humans are incredibly um, they're incredible, right? But we're also <laughs> our own we're also our own worst enemies, right? Yeah. Um, and and it goes back to this whole like I don't really know how to answer it except to say you think Nazi Germany can happen, but then you see this shit going on, you go, oh, it could totally happen. Yeah, yeah. And it makes me think of things like when, um, when, 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 when the, uh, shit, during the civil rights, when, when schools were getting integrated, right? Yeah. You watch these videos of, of these, these black students walking in and you see these people on the sidelines throwing rocks or pulling up these signs and they're being really violent and you just think, yeah, there's no way that could happen anymore. And then it's happening now. You just go, it, it's it's incredible how much we haven't learned. Yeah, man. You know what I mean? Or how much we excuse what we do to 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 justify what we're doing, right? Yeah. And I say we, not not like we're doing it, but or, or even right now with with COVID nineteen, right? People running to the supermarket and just buying up every fucking thing. And not, or, or people going, yeah, I don't give a shit. I'm just gonna go party down in Florida for spring break, anyways, because I don't give a shit, right? Because I can't, <laughs> right? Or it, that, that's what I mean is that it's, I think this administration, this president has allowed for it, but also kind of has peeled off the band aid yeah. and just said it's still there. So in that light, I mean, if you're gonna, Pull anything positive out of this administration? It's that. It's that he has shown us that we've still got a long fucking way to go, man. Right, right. Like the that underlying racism was already there, and he's kind of like peeled off the the lid. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep. He's just said, "Yep, it's always been there. I'm gonna use that. I'm, I'm an opportunist, right? I'm gonna use that to catapult myself into." Uh, the, this political this is what we get when we want somebody without experience right yeah, you're yeah. Saying, let's get somebody that has zero experience <laughs> drain the swamp then you get this clown in and you're all 
This is what you get when you get somebody without experience. Yeah. Because, you know, I was watching this thing the other day and they showed George W. Bush for all his flaws and, and for for my, um, you know, we have policy differences clearly. Yeah. But when you watch him talk after the 9-11 attacks, right, you go, okay, we have policy differences, right? Yeah. We, but, at the, but at the same time, I didn't think he was a malicious or evil person, right? Like Like this guy. And then they, they showed Obama after he, you know, first came to office and he spoke about the recession. Yeah. He, and then you and then, and then they contrasted that with Trump now with COVID-19 and he's attacking, you know, reporters. Everybody. Everybody. Yeah. Himself. Uh, okay, dude. Yeah. Yeah. This, yeah. So, yeah, my political journey has is continuing to grow. Yeah. But, um, I'm definitely glad I, I, I take it more seriously now and. It's a it's a process. Awesome, no man, all the power to you. I, I'm with you, brother. Like, yeah, we got we gotta stand up to this this kind of rhetoric and and to racism. Like, this kind of shit should it should not fly. It it, it yeah. does not fly. Yeah. Yeah, and I think in this day and age now, with Twitter, Instagram, and and tie it all in, right? Crazy rich Asians and us seeing ourselves represented. Yeah. I think all of a sudden Asians before who didn't feel like they had a voice or felt like they didn't matter, all of a sudden now are, are kind of realizing, oh, we, we do matter. We do have to say something. We do have to write our own stories. We do have to direct. We do have to um, act and, 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 and show that we are not just model minorities. You know, we are members of American society. And we have to take up space. Oh yeah. Full circle. Full circle. Full circle. Uh cool man. Uh Dan, you have anything else or No, I don't think I don't think so. I don't want to take up too much of Paul's time. <laughs> oh, this is fun, man. This is cool. Hey, what what shows are you watching? What what's the top show that you guys watched recently? Little Fires Everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Available on Hulu. Hey, hey. Uh, no, um we watched I hate this question because th- when you put me on the spot so on netflix we watched uh currently watching uh, uh Haji. um caught up on maggie what shows are we watching <laughs> shoot uh well i was in i was in atlanta and it allowed me to catch up on um when I was shooting Atlanta, I, I watched the, the second season of the uh, Netflix Formula One documentary. Okay. Oh. Um, shit, what is it called? It's, it's, it's about F1. Uh, I watched, oh, I caught up on Euphoria, uh, the HBO show. I caught up on uh, Sex Education. Ah. Up on Great show. I think that's one of the best shows out right now. Mm. Um, what? Is it on Netflix or is it on HBO? Netflix it's on, Education. on Netflix. Okay. It's, it's incredible. It's such a good show, man. It's like if you if you grew up watching or not grew up, but if you liked Freaks and Geeks. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's to me, it's like the British version of that, <laughs> but R-rated. Oh, or okay. Um, and 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 it gets a second season, so and it's really good. Um, damn, what else am I watching? Oh, I find <laughs> this is sad. It's been two years, three years since the show came out, but Godless. I finally watched Godless. Okay. Uh, Netflix, um, Mandalorian. Oh, of course. <laughs> uh, Have you seen Hentified? What's that? Have you seen Hentified? No, I haven't seen that. 
That one is totally worth watching. Hentified, okay. It's like, it's spelled with a G, gentified, but it's like pronounced hentified. Oh, okay. Oh, that's the, uh, it's the... Uh, East okay. LA one, Boyle East, Heights. All right, the Latino, I was going to say, it was like yeah. a Latino pass, right? Mainly Latino yeah. pass? That's awesome. Yeah. yeah I'll check that out, hentified. That one's really good. Mm. Cool. 10 episodes, 30 minutes long. It'll go by so quick. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there... Yeah, my I draw blank. Yeah. Um, I'm watching. Uh, I finished Kingdom, the Korean. Oh show. yes, finished. Yeah, Kingdom season two. two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought uh, it's a pretty solid series, dude. Like, I mean, yeah, I, I thought that, and second season, I. Say it. Say it. Jamie. <laughs> <laughs> it could have been stronger, dude. That last episode, like, it, it's it's too. I think they they put it. There's a lot of stuff that they could have. Let it breathe more, I thought. And then yep. all of a sudden you're like exact way. And then and then all of a sudden you're in like, wait, wait, we're like in the future now and like what's happening and like Yeah, they condi- so first of all, it didn't make any sense for me for him for him to go through all that and then be all Spoiler. Spoiler guys. Just careful. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, be careful, sorry. Uh yeah, you'll have to add in a thing to say that. But <laughs> but then you know, and then and then he gives it all to and then they condense it into like a two-minute clip. Yeah. And then you're all, wait, what? What? This is... And then it cuts to, because I thought it was going to end, and then it cuts to the, you know, the reveal of the, the, you know, the big, the big actress. The actress, yeah, yeah. Yes, and then you go, My sassy wait, girl, yeah. They could have, that the third season could have been all of that. Exactly. Well, you know? I probably, I think that's what it's, that's, that's the theory that they're going to revisit what happened within those seven years, like with flashbacks and stuff? That's the theory, but we'll see. Yeah. Okay. I mean, we'll yeah, we'll see. Yeah, but <laughs> no, man. Yeah, yeah. I was like, <laughs> I was like, whoa, like, like there's some there's some plot twists in season two. I'm like, damn, they went for it. And then I'm like, yeah. wait, what? I'm like, oh well. Anyways, uh, cool. Uh, I guess our last section, Dan. Sorry, Dan. What about you? What were you watching, real quick? Yeah. Oh, Hentify was it, and then um, someone recommended on my block, but I I've just started watching it. I'm I don't feel as as strongly as Hentify. Can get into it? So. Yeah. Okay, Hentify. Yeah. What about you, James? What do you What else are you watching other than Kingdom? Uh, um, I'm trying to catch up. I'm rewatching uh, Avatar: The Last Airbender, the series, <gasps> and I'm okay. watching it with the commentary. So I'm just kind of revisiting the special oh. features. Yeah. Just listening to the creators and their their thought process, you know. So, I, I got. Well, the... they're doing a they're doing a live action series. Yeah, you should get in on that, bro. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I don't know who I'd play. Maybe one of the. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, because they're but supposed to be I, kids, I right? Yeah, to, yeah. I would love to get on that, dude. I mean, anything like that is awesome. Freaking dude, but, Zuko, uh... fucking one of the best character arcs in any fucking anything. One of the best character arcs ever. Yeah. I think I'd be a great Zuko, but <laughs> I think I'm a little old to play Zuko. Right, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, we'll see. I, I know they're consulting with Dante Bosco about the series and the, the characters, so that that's good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so there's that, and then, uh, yeah, uh, just trying to, I'm just working on personal projects and stuff, catching up on that. I should clean my room, you know, stuff. <laughs> Marie oh, Kondo, yeah, <laughs> some Marie Kondo stuff. Um, cool. All right, so this last section is called Language Corner. 
Uh, basically, it's a, it's a section for our listeners where we teach a little bit of a language, either that we sp- another language uh, that we speak or that we're learning or a neat phrase that we've learned. So um, I'll start off. Uh, there's a Taiwanese phrase. I'm Taiwanese American. And, uh, you know, if my if I'm doing something that I'm not supposed to be doing or I'm doing something I shouldn't be doing, uh, my, my dad or my mom would be like, my Anea. My Anea. So it's like kind of like my Annie, but like more like my Ane. So my Anea. Um, so it's, it's like, my. yeah, my Ane. And uh, uh-huh. it's like, don't, yo, don't, don't be doing that. <laughs> so like, uh, <laughs> so someone say, hey, this is the Chinese virus. You say, my Ane. Don't be like that. You know, like my Ane. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, Dan, do you have anything or? Yeah, um, mine is shimatta. Shimatta means in Japanese, kind of like, oh, we're screwed. <laughs> it's like out of luck kind of oh, thing. Shimatta. So, shimatta. 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 Um, yeah. Oh, so so it's so it's specifically so say for mine would be something in Vietnamese. If you want, or any yeah. language that you're if, learning, yeah, yeah. If oh, you okay, want. Something okay, something that that connects my parent by my dad really, and something we did on Vietnam. So Scott and I had this thing. Uh, we would always say "my," "my." So "my" is a uh, it's a term. It's a I don't really describe it. So if I'm older than you, I could say instead of saying "Dan," right? I wouldn't say "Oh, Dan, hey, can you?" I say "my" is like you, right? Oh. You. But it can be used in all sorts of different ways. So my dad never referred to me as Paul or my Vietnamese name, right? Dan, he'd never say, oh, Dan, come do this. Paul, come do this. He'd say, my language. So it's huh. like a very harsh, like very specific <laughs> term, right? Yeah. But it could also be used um, in a loving way, too. So my sister and I will say, my, like she says something stupid, right? I'll be like, my like ah, oh, you dumbass. Ah. <laughs> and then so Scott and I Mate. during Vietnam, because Scott and I played best friends in Vietnam, we would always just go, my. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's kind of kind of taking something that my dad used to say, and it was maybe viewed as not negative, but just kind of like very inform informal. Yeah, yeah. And making yeah. fun of it and using it in a more loving way. Ah. <laughs> are you are you fluent in <laughs> Vietnamese? Uh, yes, I, I speak Vietnamese. I don't read or write. Ah. But if I was, if I got an audition or something that was in Vietnamese, I, I got to get it translated by my dad. Ah. Because because yeah. I can get by. So when I would travel in Vietnam, I I can get by and speak. But but when you get very specific, the the, the dialogue gets very complicated. Ah, interesting. Super complicated. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Uh. All right. Well. Paul, thank you so much for your time, man. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank it. you. And actually, Paul, one last thing. Is it do you do you also go by Paul Nguyen or you go by Paul Yen now? Or I go by Paul Yen for my acting. Yeah. Like Tom Cruise. <laughs> but but, but uh, I, I mean my real name is Paul Nguyen. Okay, gotcha. Um, but I, I shortened it because one, when I went to sign up for SAG, there was a there was a ton of Paul Nguyen. <laughs> um and when I looked at IMDb, I was like, damn, there's also a ton of Paul Nguyen's. And then so 
And then it, the, also because it, it's so specifically Vietnamese that and I feel like until Hollywood figures it out, yeah, I, I think, you know, if they cast for something, they're going to go, oh, well, he's Vietnamese. He can't play this role. Huh. You know, so I so I wanted to. So I took it out. So I took out the the first three letters and it's Paul Yen, ah. which also happens to be my favorite Vietnamese female name. It's it's Ian. Huh. But it's also Japanese for the Japanese yen. <laughs> it also sounds, you know, it could sound Chinese. Chi- yeah, so, yeah. So I chose something that was just very kind of so that white folks in the industry can go, hmm. What, what Asian is he? I know what he is. <laughs> yeah. um, but that's a whole different thing, too, is that right now when they're casting stuff, they're being super particular. So, for example, Shang-Chi. Oh. Yeah, Marvel, they're like, we're only going to see Chinese uh, actors or, or actors with who are ethnically Chinese. Right. And I personally think that's bullshit. Huh. I, I don't I don't agree with that because I don't think they don't go, well, is Brad Pitt Irish? Right. You know, is, yeah. you know, is Daniel Day-Lewis actually American? They don't do that to to white actors or black actors. Ah, right? Good point. OK. And I don't think they should also do, I don't think they should do that to Asians either. Hmm. We, we should be able to play. Obviously, if you the character needs to speak Korean, then OK, then you need to cast a Korean actor. Hmm. But I just think Asians should be able to play Asians because otherwise we we limit ourselves as actors. Yeah. You know, and that, that's what I think being an act, a big part of being an actor is, is that if I play a Chinese character, then I get to research Chinese culture more in depth. Right. Right. And that's what is, maybe pick up I some Chinese. Yeah. Yeah. Right. But I think Hollywood takes that element away from us. Right. They go, well, you know, let's say Shang-Chi does really well, but they go, eh, but. But he's already Chinese, so he didn't really have to do any research. Huh. He didn't have to, he didn't really have to act that, you know? You know what I'm saying? They, they take that element away from you. Mm. Whereas in white actors, Caucasian actors get um accol- you know, they get they get applauded for going, Oh wow, you're an American actor and you had to learn a British accent or yeah. you're you're Don Cheadle, you did Hotel Rwanda, you ha- you know what I mean? You had to learn that accent. Whereas in Asians they go, Well, let's just cast from China. Right. <laughs> you know? He, there's, he didn't have to learn anything. He's already Chinese, you know. The path yeah. of least resistance, I guess, for for in their mind, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right, because I, because they go from two extremes, right? Let's cast a white dude to or a white woman to play this Asian character. To no, you now you have to be specifically Japanese. You have to be Chinese. You have to be Vietnamese. And I, I disagree with that on several levels, but selfishly, it's if I only ever played Vietnamese, I would only ever play anything that has to do with the Vietnam War. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah so. I. Yeah. I'm. I. Can, I can see that point. I can. But I can also see a slight argument for like, if the role calls for it to be like ethnically specific. Like, if the language calls for it. If there's certain like like Viet Gone, the fact that you're Vietnamese American, I think is 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 a is a big plus. To be honest. Yeah. No. Yeah, yeah. No. Absolutely. Yeah. Like that. That's what I was talking about. Right. The the blood memory. Right. But at the same time. The other actors who've played who aren't Vietnamese, yeah, I didn't enjoy it any less. Sure, you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. It, one, it it allows the actors to act. Two, it allows Asians to tell. It, it shows that our stories are universal, right? Yes. So for so for example, Mulan, right? When they were casting that, yeah, they only wanted to see Chinese actors, but that makes zero sense to me because. None of the actors are speaking Chinese. They're all speaking English, for one. Yeah. yeah. So then, then if you want to be authentically Chinese, then then you've already kind of shot yourself in the foot there. Two, um, they ended up... It, it, it looks really 
uh, God, I hate, uh, I'm going to shoot myself in the foot here, but you have a great actor in Zima, right? Yeah. He's playing the dad. He's got a, he's got like a New York accent. Then you have Yvonne, <laughs> the daughter who speaks broken English because she's an actress from China. Yeah. Then you have her sister who's a Chinese American, you know, so it's just, I, I'm okay with that. But, but be don't, consistent. Don't, don't disguise it as something it's not because then it's just a mixture of things. Whereas in, if they would have cast Zimon, made him have a Chinese accent, made the sister have a Chinese accent just to match the, the woman who plays Mulan. Yeah. Okay, then then I can see your argument. But, but if you're just casting random people and saying, well, we're only going to see Chinese, I, I could have played a villain on there, but but I was not afforded that opportunity because I'm not Chinese, right? Mm. Or or it just gets really it just gets really crazy. If if I'm writing this story right now that 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 follows the 442nd, right? It's an all Japanese American regiment. Sure. If I only cast people who are Japanese, bro, I'm gonna run out of actors real fucking fast. Then what happens? Then you go to then you hold these public casting um, calls that that allow for anybody who don't doesn't even have experience. Then it just kind of shits on the actor, right? Because mm. you're just saying, well, you don't need to have experience. You just need to be Japanese, or yeah. You just need to be Japanese, you know. Then it it, it gets really it gets really convoluted and and and, and, um, and, and, and complicated. Right, right, right. But I, I think I think we should be afforded the opportunities that that other actors are afforded, which is to play within our our Asian culture. Right. right. Just don't cast a white person right. in the forty forty. 442 seconds. Right. <laughs> because again, <laughs> that's where the that's where the acting comes from, right? That's that's on the actor to do the research and to to be meticulous about learning about who they're playing. Right? Yeah, I got no I that's feel you. Yeah, where, yeah. you know, you, you know what I'm saying? So I get so obviously if you cast a character that is supposed to speak Korean, yes, by all means please cast a, an actor who speaks Korean who is more than likely gonna be Korean. But if they're just if they're just an Asian character that's Korean but can speak English, I should be able to play that. You should be able to play that. Dan should be able to play that. You know, you know what I mean? Mm. It's I, I don't know. I, I know it gets it gets complicated, but well, it's they like, don't do that for they don't do that for British actors. British actors come here and play Americans all the time, or they play Australians, or Americans play Australians. Australians play Americans, right? Brad Pitt gets to play. Whoever I, I use Brad Pitt a lot just because I just I don't know why, but <laughs> but he gets to play whoever he wants, and then, right. then he gets recognized as this great actor. Or Daniel Day Lewis gets to play Abraham Lincoln, right? They didn't go, well, Daniel Day Lewis, are you are you actually American? Are you from Kentucky? No, no, motherfucker, I'm not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, that's what makes him a good actor. Again, right, to not to harp on the same shit, but. If you cast a Chinese person to play Chinese, then then Hollywood goes, well, they don't deserve an award because they're they didn't really have to. Huh? You, you know what I mean? No, interesting. No, that's an interesting viewpoint. Okay. It gets there's there's a lot of different facets to it. Yeah. Um, and we can go into that another time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But kind of a surface level, I just think Asian actors should be able to play Asian people, mm. as long as there's not a language. Um, stipulation, yeah. right? Right. Yeah. Cool. Well, Paul, thank you so much for your time, man. Really, really appreciate Thanks, it. Thanks, Paul. Yeah. Thanks. For stay safe and uh, stay healthy. Yeah. I'm gonna try. All right. <laughs> Bye, Bye Paul. Thanks, Bye. man. Have a good night. Yep.